It is a joy to have you. Uh, while our ushers are coming forward, if you're watching by way of the internet today, welcome. We're delighted that you're with us. Uh, please let us know where you're watching from. We got them watching the 930 service uh, in Florida, Delaware, uh, South Carolina. What a joy it is to have you tuning in today. God bless you so very much. Let us hear from you. We're delighted that you're watching today. Maybe you're here and you're watching uh, or listening by way of podcast. That's a new ministry that we've uh, started, and that seems to be a real hit. Uh, things have been moving really well in our podcast ministry, and you're listening today via podcast. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for tuning in. We're delighted that you're a part of our ministry here at Maysville Baptist Church. And then there are those that... Uh, are listening by way of radio. We're delighted that you're listening. Uh, a couple of uh, years ago, I was preaching on the radio. And this, they were playing message on a Sunday morning. And a guy came off the interstate and drove all the way to the church, got out. He said, I want to meet the man that preaches the message on the cross here at Maysville Baptist Church. And it was a joy to meet him and minister to him and pray for him. So if you're traveling and you're listening to the radio, welcome to Maysville Baptist Church. We're delighted you're listening today. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you join me in Genesis chapter 4? Genesis chapter number 4. We are continuing a series of messages that I'm preaching. The series is called Triggered. And my stars, I didn't know y'all had such a problem with anger. My goodness. The reports I'm getting back, I, I bet probably, this has probably been one of the most popular series, this series of messages I, I've ever preached here. Uh, you've tickled me. I had one lady tell me this week, she said, Preacher, you'll be proud of me. I hadn't let my husband's voice trigger me one time this whole week. <laughs> so, well, praise God. It re actually reminded me of a story I heard of an elderly couple and uh, this elderly couple had been married, I don't know, 60 years or so, 50 or 60 years. And uh, he had a real bad anger problem. I mean, he had a temper. He had an anger all those years they were married. He fell under conviction and uh, finally got right with God and got right with his wife and said, Honey, he said, I just got to ask you, I've been angry for so long. How did you do it? How did you put up with my anger? She said, Oh, it was easy. He said, No, what did you do? She said, well, I, whenever you'd blow up and get mad, and she said, I'd just go clean the toilet. And he said, oh, that, that made you feel better? She said, oh, yeah, I used your toothbrush. <laughs> triggered. What triggers you? I wonder if that triggered him. In relationship to the text today, we're going to be looking at Cain's anger. The anger of Cain is what we're going to be looking at today. Last week, we just kind of introduced the topic of being triggered and what triggers you and what are the roots, what are those calls, calls elements in, in your life, what are those things that happen that called you to, uh, uh, to demonstrate your anger. And now we're going a little bit deeper with last week's message. So if you didn't hear last week's message, let me encourage you to uh, go online and listen to that and get on the podcast, uh, subscribe to that, uh, check that message out because we're building each message, building upon uh, the next. Today, in relationship to Cain's anger, when we look at Cain's anger, we see that the way he expressed his anger was absolutely wrong. It was sinful. He uh, directly uh, committed an atrocity. He sinned against God and he killed his brother. We all know the story of Cain and Abel. It's a very fascinating text. But for context purposes, let's read the text. 
And then I want to come back and I want to say a couple of things about how we deal with anger. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 4. You may remain seated today uh, for the length of the text. Notice what the scripture says. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the, of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, let me pause right there parenthetically. I need you to underline something while I'm walking through this. I need you to underline that phrase, Abel and to his offering. Now, listen to the context while you're underlining it here. The Bible says that when Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and conjunction in addition to his offering. God accepted Abel, then accepted his offering. Important to the context. Verse 5. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. So if you got your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I would underline that. Unto Cain, one, and there's the conjunction, his offering, a rejection of Cain first, then a rejection of his offering. He had no respect for it. The word respect there means to reject. I'm not accepting that, Cain. He goes on to say here in the text, And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Key verse, verse 7, verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel and his brother, and he slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he says, What hast thou done? The voice of your brother's blood crieth from, me, from the ground unto me. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Uh, parenthetically, the Bible tells us here this, that life is in the blood. And when the blood of, of Abel spilt out on the ground, it cried out to God. When the blood of Jesus was spilt on the ground, it redeemed mankind. Verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, Cain, it shall not henceforth yield unto her, her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt not be on the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is too great, I can't bear it. Behold, thou hast driven me out, of, out from this day, from the face of the earth. His mom and dad, remember, were driven out of the garden. Cain says, You've driven me from the face of the earth, God. And from thy faith shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. The word slay there is the same word that's used to what uh, uh, Cain did to his brother. We'll talk about that in a minute. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be upon him seven times. You think it's bad that I kicked your mom and dad out of the garden? You think it's bad that I kicked you out of the face of the earth uh, to walk as a vagabond? He says, you just wait. Whoever kills you, whoever kills you will get seven times more than what I've given to you. 
And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any uh, find him. They should kill him. Uh, not going to do it. Hey, don't, don't touch Cain. There's sevenfold destructions coming upon you. Triggered. There's no doubt that Cain was triggered. What triggered him? What happened in Cain's life that triggered him to, mo to move him in the arena of anger? Anger to the point where he, that he literally killed his brother. Dear friend, you and I know as we study the Word of God, the Bible says, Be angry and sin not. There are some things that we need to be angry about. We call this a righteous indignation. This sermon doesn't deal with righteous indignation. This sermon deals with the sin of Cain, the anger of Cain that moved him into the position to murder his brother. There have been murders all across the land. Even today, there are people that are dying. As I snap my fingers, people die in regards to the fact that murder being murdered all across our land. In Chicago alone, the murder rate has skyrocketed. Dear friend, we are living in an age where the anger of Cain has infiltrated the human race. And until we get right with God, it will continue. And we'll continue to see murder across the land. So what can we do in regards to our anger? If the Bible says be angry and sin not, then that means we handle our anger. And we can handle our anger in three ways by way of introduction. Number one, the first way we can handle our anger is we can express it. We can express our anger. We do this many times by saying, I lost my temper. Now, please, nobody raise their hand. We don't want uh, anybody to get upset today. But I'm telling you what, last week, if you could see my position as I'm preaching to you, in all three services, I know some of you went home with sore ribs because I saw you getting it last week. Uh, so we can... Uh, Express it. Express our anger. Number two, the second thing we can do is we can suppress it. We can suppress our anger. We can bottle it up. People, there's some people that can't bottle their anger. They just, boom, it just comes out uh, with them. Uh, others suppress it. They just put it in, they put it in, they put it in. Now, unfortunately, when you put anger in and you don't properly release it, it turns to bitterness. And when anger turns to bitterness, it can hurt your health. There's been a lot of people that have uh, serious health conditions, serious health problems. It affects their physical appearance as well as inside them. And their health is, is a, uh, uh, in a position of, of destruction because they suppress anger. Don't suppress anger. Don't express anger. So what are you, what are you saying? Well, that's the third one. Here's the third thing we can do. We can confess it. We can confess it. You can either express your anger, you can suppress your anger, or you can confess your anger. Of course, I'm speaking of letting off steam to God. Confess your anger to the Lord. The Bible says his yoke is easy and his burdens light. And if that be true, and it is, since that is true, then we can take our anger to him and we can give him our anger and let him transform us from the inside. When you study this passage of Scripture, there is no doubt that Cain expressed his anger. When he had every opportunity to confess his anger. Not one time did he ever try to suppress his anger until the very end. And then when he began to suppress his anger, we find that he lived a life as a fugitive and a vagabond. Dear friend, God does not want you to live your life in that kind of way. He doesn't want you to be a prisoner to your own anger. He doesn't want you to be a vagabond or a fugitive walking around. Nobody wants to talk to you because you are known and classified and have a reputation of being an angry person. 
probably one of the saddest testimonies that I see walking around are born-again children of God who come to church week in and week out, and they're some of the most angry individuals you've ever met. And not only does it show in their heart and in their eyes, but it shows on their face hardened over the periods of time of unforgiveness and suppressing the anger to the point where they have been run down, beat down, and are physically in a state of illness because they did not deal with their anger. When you read the narrative of Cain and Abel, you walk away with it with many lessons. But one of the lessons that I want to point out today is this. The primary lesson when we read this narrative is that anger is tied to your attitude. Anger is tied to your attitude. You show me an angry person, I'll show you somebody that's got a bad attitude. Now again, there's a vast difference between righteous indignation, so don't send me any emails on that. That's going to be the last sermon in this series. But today we're dealing with how anger is tied to your attitude. And the question that I want us to look at is what attitude did Cain exhibit and what other lessons can we learn from him and his attitudes? Well, dear friend, there are four of them that I think that are very imperative to the way we live today in the 21st century, and I want to give those to you today. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is Cain's heart attitude. Cain's heart attitude was faithlessness. His heart attitude was faithlessness. Dear friend, every one of us in here today has come to worship with a heart attitude. I have seen people come to church with the heart attitude of saying, Preacher, bless me if you can. Give me your best shot. Well, I just want to go on record one more time and say, I'm not giving my best shot for you. I'm giving my best for him. And really the bottom line is, I'm not preaching just to be preaching. Neither am I getting on my high horse or a bully pulpit. I'm just saying, thus saith the Lord. If the Word of God says it, then we ought to pay attention to it, regardless of the instrument by which God uses to present it. As long as it's coming out of the Word of God, let God's Word be true and everybody else a liar. And so in regards to the preaching of the Word of God, our attitude is one of faith, or it's one of stubbornness, it's one of hatred, it's one of anger, it's one of, bless me if you can, preacher, a faithless heart seems to be the difference between Cain and Abel as you look at this narrative. Cain had a problem with his motive. The problem was not his sacrifice. Many look at this narrative and they say, you know what Cain should have done? Cain should have sacrificed an animal because had Cain sacrificed an animal, God would have accepted him. No, he wouldn't because it wasn't about the sacrifice. If it had been about the sacrifice, then God would have, at this particular moment in time, would have said, no sacrifice of any type of grains. Now, when you read the Old Testament, you see there are many grain sacrifices. No, it wasn't a matter of what type of sacrifice Cain had. The problem was Cain's attitude. It was an attitude of the heart. And in verses 1 through 5, we see this introduction, if you would, of Cain. And we see, watch this, what the Bible says once again in verse number 4. And Abel, the Bible says, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, we underline that, remember, and there's the conjunction, so here's one. He accepted Abel first. Why? Because Abel had the right attitude. And then what did he do? He accepted Abel's sacrifice because it was the best that he had. It was the first fruits. Listen to me. God wants your absolute best. 
He wants your best worship. He wants your best when it comes to your finances. He wants your best when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He chose you for a reason. You, on a scale of 1 to 10, in God's love for you, you're pegging out a 10. He loves you. And because he loves you, he wants your best. And so we find that Abel gave his best. And God first accepted Abel... Then he accepted his sacrifice. Not so much with Cain. Look at what the scripture says. The Bible says, but unto Cain, verse 5. But unto Cain. And, there's the conjunction. Same structure as verse 4. And to his offering, he had no respect. He rejected. What it's saying, DeWitt, is this. God looked at Cain and said, you got a bad attitude, son. You can't come bringing that. Because what you've brought to me is not your best. It gives us the mental picture that Cain flippantly just gathered up some fruit, gathered up some vegetables, just gathered up some things, did not give God his best, and approached God and laid it out there. And then he got mad at God because God didn't accept it. Dear friend, God wants your best. And it wasn't a matter of what Cain gave, but it's how he gave it. Let me show you this. There's a New Testament passage. If you'll find, take in your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews, we find the writer of Hebrews speaks a little bit more into this in regards to attitude. Now, in the New Testament, this attitude is converted into the word faith. Faith. Faith should be our attitude when we come to worship. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. Hebrews 11:1. The scripture is very clear in regards to Cain and Abel. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed and by the world by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made with the things which do appear. Now, let me stop and say something parenthetically because the writer of Hebrews knows who his first illustration is going to be. And basically what the writer of Hebrews is simply saying is just simply this. We know who created this world. And we know the power of that creator. And because we know that creator and because we know the power of that creator, we can have faith in that creator that that creator is going to keep his promise And the promise that the Creator gave us was the promise of the Messiah, Genesis 3.15. And that same promise that God gave back in the Old Testament was believed upon by faith. They didn't see Him, but they by faith knew that Jesus the Messiah was coming. And because Jesus the Messiah was coming, they had faith that the Messiah was going to come and redeem them. And then He gives the example, by faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Don't run past the by faith part because it'll seem as if he's talking about the sacrifice in and of itself. He is not. He's referring to Abel's faith. It was Abel's faith that's the reason why his sacrifice was acceptable. He had the right heart attitude. That right heart attitude in worship is by faith. He says by faith he gave a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why? Because Cain came with no faith. 
by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. He says, you look at the death of Abel and you'll walk away seeing that he was a man of faith. You look at the life of Cain and you walk away from it seeing he had no faith. And if you've got faith, if you've got faith, you want to give God your best. And Abel wanted to give God his best by faith. By faith, Cain didn't care what he gave God. And so his sacrifice was not excellent. Why? Not because of the sacrifice, but because of his faith. Cain's heart attitude was faithless. It was faithless. Dear friend, we're living in a faithless society today. And the lesson that we can learn from this first point is just simply this. Motives matter to God. Your motives matter to God. You come in here and you want to pick the preacher's message apart and say, well, he's wrong on this, wrong on this, wrong on this, wrong on this, wrong on this. Why did you come to church in the first place? Did you come to worship God? you come to pick on the preacher? I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be careful picking on the preacher. Scripture says, touch not the, the Lord's anointed. And say, are you bullying? No, I'm not bullying. I'm just saying that when you come to worship, we come not to worship a man. We come to worship God. And the motives in which we enter this place matter. And we're living in a society where our attitude today is faithless. And the motives by which we operate by are even worse. Heard a story of a man in London. He was riding a taxi. He got in the back of that taxi and he was going. People everywhere crossing the street, jaywalking. And uh, as the taxi driver's driving, somebody walked out in front of him. He slammed on the brakes. The man in the back go, man, you almost hit that guy. I'm glad you paid attention and slammed on your brakes and didn't kill the man. He said, yeah. He said, I'm telling you what. He says, if you hit one of them fellas, you got to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork. <laughs> Dear friend, the bottom line is this. Why do you do what you do? He didn't hit the fella cause, not because he didn't want to kill him. He didn't want to fill out the paperwork. Oh, dear friend, why do you come to worship today? Do you come because you want to worship God? Motives matter to God. Number two, Cain's physical attitude. He had a physical attitude. What was his physical attitude? This is his outward appearance. It was that of frustration. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 5 again. The Scripture says, And Cain was wroth, very wroth, and his countenance fell. There's a progression in this passage of Scripture which reflects Cain's response in the arena of frustration. And to be honest with you, we all have this tendency to reflect this type of frustration. Let, Let me show you what I'm talking about. Did you see the progression? It's in order for a reason. The Bible says, first of all, he was very wroth. What is that? That is, that response is internal. If you're an angry person, then watch this. It begins on the inside. Wrath. What in the world is wrath? The Hebrew word wrath is where we get the definition to kindle a fire. Last night we had a uh, little little birthday party for Alyssa. She turned 21 yesterday. And by the way, just speaking of that, I, I'm going to try not to take too many rabbit trails today, but I'm going to take this one. Uh, it's fascinating to me that uh, we went to town, Miriam and I did, and we bought some, some party supplies. She wanted a campfire kind of celebration for her 21st birthday. And she wanted... Excuse me, she wanted to make these hobo dinners, you know, where you put everything in the foil and put them in the fire, you have a fire and all, cook it up, and it just, I mean, a lot of fun. We had a great time, so uh, let's, let's do that. So we got all the supplies for that. We went 
to, uh, to Kroger. And we were in the Kroger in Athens because we had to run some errands. And there the lady scans it. She says, it looks like y'all having a party. Beep, beep, beep. To which Miriam says, yes, we are. Uh, our oldest daughter is turning 21. Beep, beep. And the lady stopped. And she's a seasoned saint. Do you like how I said that? Seasoned saint. She's a seasoned saint. And she looked up and she says, well, has she bought her alcohol yet? Now, this is the culture we live in, church. The culture we live in. The very first thought is she's 21. Has she bought her alcohol yet? Dear friend, listen to me very carefully. Miriam just said, look, uh, no, she doesn't drink. She doesn't. And she tried to change the subject very quickly. But the culture that we live in, I'm telling you, church, it doesn't take much to live differently than the world. We got all the stuff together. We brought it back to the house. And as we're there uh, at the house, got the fire. The fire's flaring up. They all got their hobo uh, dinners in the fire. I mean, it's, everybody's having a good time. It's time to eat. We pull them off. The fire has died down. It's smoldering, but it's out. No more flames. We go in there and eat uh, dinner and have a good time laughing, cutting up, having a having, uh, wonderful fellowship. And then them two little Robertson boys get outside. And then that fire ain't smoldering any longer. What do they do? They kindle it. They get a little bit more uh, uh, fodder, and they put it there on the fire, and they, they blow on that thing. And what happens is it ignites, and it flares up again. That is the term that we see here. Cain was very wroth. He was kindled on the inside. That fire sat inside of him. And it became so internal, the anger that he had at God, because he was rejected. And not only was he rejected, but he rejected his sacrifice as well. Actions, watch this, actions always follow attitude. They'll follow. And his attitude was so bad that at the moment of his rejection, he had an internal response to kindle that fire inside of him. And that kindling of that fire was such a way that it burned and blazed in him. And then it moved over, if you would, into the second category. His countenance fell. You see it there in the text? What is this? This is an external response. His response became external. He tried to bottle it up, but he couldn't. What happened was his countenance fell. Now, what's fascinating about this word fail, it's a fascinating Hebrew word because, or a Hebrew verb. It's in the imperfect tense, and that means it paints a, a, an incredible word picture of watching someone move from one facial position to another. It's a transitionary verb. Last week there was a storm, and that storm blew over a tree. The tree uh, uh, broke right down the middle. And when the tree failed, it changed, uh, if you would, that tree structure. It, it changed the symmetry of that tree. And I'm telling you, when you let anger sit inside of you, and you allow that to boil over, and your attitude is one of faithlessness, you don't care about your motives, and then your attitude is frustration, and you become wroth, and your countenance fails, I promise you, you will lose control, you'll have no self-control, and you'll hurt the people you love the most. The Bible says his countenance fell. And what happened was, when his countenance failed, he lost his self-control. Listen to this statement. Other people do not create your spirit. They only reveal it. God revealed Cain's spirit. 
by rejecting him. There's a story of a, a, an old English uh, uh, Bible professor. When he was 10 years old, he told this story. He said when he was 10 years old, he was walking home from school, and he was walking by this farm, and it had a, one bull, one bull in the pasture. And he was a big bull, mean and ugly-looking bull. But he was laying down, chewing his uh, cud. I mean, he just enjoyed it. And that boy looked at that big old bull. He looked down at the uh, path he was walking on, and he picked up some rocks. He said, I wonder what would happen if I threw these rocks at that bull. He's laying down. So he took one of the rocks, and he threw it. And when he threw it, it hit that bull right on top of the head. That bull got up and said... And took off running and hit the fence post where that little boy was standing. He was so terrified, he jumped up and he ran straight to the house. He said, Mama, Mama, he said, that bull tried to kill me. What am I going to do, Mama? What am I going to do? And his mother said, Son, you shouldn't have threw the rock at the bull. He said, I ain't never going to throw another rock at the bull. I'm never going to do that again. And she said, Son, here, let me tell you the truth of this little narrative, this little story. She said, The truth is, the rock didn't make the bull mad. The rock revealed the bull's anger. Listen to me very carefully. The rock only made what was already inside come to the surface. The wisest man on the planet, Solomon, said in Ecclesiastes 7, 9, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. The Bible says those individuals that are quick to anger, they're classified as fools because anger is sitting inside of them waiting to be kindled. And at the very moment of its kindling, it comes out. So what's the lesson can we learn here? What is the lesson, Cain? What are you trying to teach us, God, through Cain's life? Here's the second lesson. Here it is. Self-control matters to God. Your self-control matters. In a difficult, heated situation, it's imperative that you exercise self-control. Let me show you a third thing very quickly as time quickly gets away from us. Cain also had a mental attitude. And in Cain's mental attitude in this narrative, we see that mental attitude was fatal. He had a fatal attitude in his mind. We find this in verses 6, 7, and 8. And when it comes to anger, what you entertain in your mind has the potential of entering into your heart. And that's what happened to Cain. I want you to notice this process this morning. The first thing I want you to see is the instructions of God. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 6. The scripture tells us in the text, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you so angry? Why are you so wroth? Why is this fire kindled inside of you, Cain? And why is your countenance falling? Why can I physically see you go from a point of pride? Because that's what you are. You're proud. You were proud thinking that I was just going to accept any sacrifice you gave me. But the sacrifice of your heart was a bad attitude. And I rejected that before I rejected any of your food. He says, why is your countenance falling? Look at verse 7. If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou not doest well, sin lieth at the door. And, until thee, uh, and un unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. This is the key. This is a key to unlocking this entire passage. Because God tells Cain what he needs to do to get right. He says, Cain, you have the power 
to have self-control, to get your anger under control, and to get your attitude right with me. I will accept your sacrifice, but the choice is yours. This is the most powerful passage that demonstrates that man has a free will right here. This passage shows God says, Cain, the ball's in your court. You know what to do. You get your attitude right, I'll accept you. You don't get your attitude right, I won't accept you. Listen to me very carefully, dear friend. In regards to salvation, it's not a work or attitude that we do. We come to Jesus by faith. It's the New Testament. It's the lineage that we find that's called the scarlet thread throughout the Scriptures. And that scarlet thread points to faith and redemption. Abel had faith. Cain had no faith. Cain was rejected. Abel was accepted. Dear friend, if you want to be accepted by God, you must understand and grasp that anger is a choice. And the only way for salvation is through Jesus Christ. Did you notice here in the instructions of God in verse 6 and 7 that Cain never answered the questions God asked him? He never dealt with it. He was silent. Why? You ever wondered why? Why on earth was Cain so silent? God has given him this opportunity. Dear friend, I want to present to you today the reason why Cain was so silent. He was listening to the wrong person. He was listening to the devil and not listening to God. He was listening to the world and not listening to the Savior. Cain was listening to the devil, and he wasn't listening to the deliverer. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 8. We see the response of Cain. The Bible says, And Cain talked not with God, but with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. If you'd still have your pens in your hand, I'd underline that word slew. Why? Because the word slew is where we get our English word butcher. Butcher. I want you to understand, it wasn't that just Cain picked up a rock, knocked his brother in the head, and he bled out there. That's not the image that's being portrayed here in this response. The image or the response that Cain did is he murdered his brother. He killed his brother. And he killed his brother by butchering him. He butchered him. Did you know that the story of Cain and Abel is probably one of the most talked about passages of Scripture throughout all the Bible? In the New Testament, there are many references that point back to Cain and Abel. References like Matthew 23, 35. Luke chapter 11, verse 51. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. As well as Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 10 and 11. But one of the verses that I find fascinating is 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, we have this powerful insight into Cain's life. The Bible says this, that as we should love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, watch this, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Did you hear what John said? about the commentary of Cain? The Bible tells us that Cain was of the evil one. He listened to the wrong person. He didn't listen to God. He listened to the devil. 
He listened to what the devil had to say to him. And when the devil began to speak lies into his life, he accepted the lie as a truth. And he moved forward with his life only to reject God, only to kill his brother, and to walk on this earth as a vagabond. Why? Because the anger inside of him changed who he was. And if you don't want to be changed, dear brother, into a person of Cain, you've got to get right with God. Don't let anger seethe inside of you and rage inside of you. Turn it loose and give it to God. Cain was told by God himself, you know what to do, Cain. Come back to me. You have the power to control this if you'll only yield to your pride and come back to me in grace. Cain's mental attitude was fatal. He had made his decision to kill his brother. Many men are angry today. Many individuals are angry with themselves. Many are angry because of the secrets of their own sinful lust and desires. They're angry because they don't live a life that they feel like measures up. They live under a law and a lot of, a lot of condemnation. They're taking out their anger on their loved ones at work, at home. They're a lot like Cain. They're killing the innocent people around them, little by little, word by word. Dear friend, when it comes to our mental attitude, don't be fatal. What's the lesson that we can learn here? It's very simple. Humility matters to God. If you are going to get right with God and you struggle with anger, you must humble yourself. Humble yourself to the mighty hand of God. Confess your sins and he will forgive you. And then here's the fourth and final one. I have two minutes. I'm going to try to squeeze this in. Cain's social attitude. He had a social attitude. You notice this? Social. Uh, we all have social attitudes. You don't believe me, get on Facebook, look at everybody's social attitude. The destructive power of anger goes beyond the personal shame and disgrace of one's own sin. Its impact is social. It impacts the social areas of our lives. I want you to notice how Cain's social attitude was that of fear in regards to the way he lived his life as a murderer the rest of his life. There are three things to note here. Number one, in Cain's life, there was a time for repentance. Look at what the Bible says in verse 9. Watch this. Follow along with me. It's in the text. He says, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And he said, I, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, let me pause there. Did God say that because he did not know where Abel was? No, he's about to say, I hear his blood crying to me. I know where Abel is. I know where Abel is. He's with me. And his blood's crying to me. He's heartbroken over what you did to him, Cain. And the bottom line is simply this. God was offering Cain an opportunity to repent, to come clean, to say the same thing about his sins that God was saying. You're wrong, Cain. You killed Cain. You murdered Cain. You butchered your brother. I want you to admit that. Where's your brother, Cain? Am I my brother's keeper? You know what he's Am I my baby? Am I the babysitter? Am I supposed to babysit my brother? There's a time of repentance. Dear friend, listen to me very carefully. God knows what questions to ask us. And the question that we have to wrestle with is, are we answering him? Cain didn't answer God. 
Are you? There's a time for repentance. Number two, there's a time for judgment. Verse 11, 12, and 13, we find here in the text that obviously uh, Cain kills Abel. In verse 11 and 12, we find the judgment. God brings his judgment down. And did you notice this? That the judgment of Cain is far worse than his mom and dad. God adds to the curse. He kicked, he kicked mom and dad out of the Garden of Eden. Now he kicks uh, uh, Cain out of society. And so there's judgment that falls upon Cain. And the judgment now that he lives in is a judgment of fear. What's he fearful of? He's fearful that somebody now is going to kill him. And he walks around the earth. He's scared to death. Anybody that finds me, they're going to kill me. My punishment is too hard, God. And then that brings us to the third and final point. Watch this. Oh, this is an amazing, amazing thing. We see that there's a time for grace. What do you mean? Look at verse 14 and 15 again. The Bible says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said, you see capital L-O-R-D, Elohim, Elohim said to him, Whoever kills Cain, slay. The word slayeth there is the same slayeth that we find earlier in this passage. Whoever butchers Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. You think it's bad what I put on you, Cain? You let the person that kills you kill you, murder you, butcher you. It'll be seven times worse. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest any finding of him should, anybody that finds him should kill him. Now, why in the world did God do this? Why didn't he just let somebody kill Cain, take the vengeance? One word, grace. It was grace. God's grace made a way for Cain to come back to Jesus, come back to God. Now, does the scripture say he ever did? No. New Testament tells us again in 1 John that Cain was evil. He never, he continued to listen to the devil. But the point that we find here in the text is this. God always makes a way of grace. So here's the hope that you and I have today. For those that struggle with anger every day, there's hope for you. It's called the grace of God. Come to him today. For those of you that are living under the oppression, under the oppression of somebody that's angry and bitter and frustrated, there's hope for you. It's in Jesus Christ. But I'm going to be honest with you. This teaching that I've done today in regards to anger and being triggered, all this teaching means nothing to you if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. You're sitting there scratching your head going, what? It means nothing. The first step that you must take, dear friend, is you must come to Jesus. You must be saved. You must be like Abel. You must give God your best. That's you. I gave God my best March 22nd, 1988. I gave him all to me. I said, God, I know I can't save myself. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. And today I trust you as my Savior. And on that day, he saved my soul. Dear friend, watch this. God wants to save you today. He wants to save you. His desire is that everyone be saved. Quit living in your sin. Recognize it as sin. Confess it as sin. And be saved today.
Let's bow for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I want to give you that opportunity, dear friend. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ, whether you're listening by way of podcast or video or radio. Dear friend, I want to ask you right where you're at, just as you are, say something like this to the Lord. Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you are the Savior. And this morning I ask you to forgive me of my sin. This morning I trust you as the Messiah. And Lord, I do pray the best that I know how. A prayer of repentance to turn from my sin and follow you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.